Look at that. Why are we watching a TikTok right now? I was just waiting for you to finish. Your TikTok algorithm is very different than mine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, do you know angry reactions? We're rolling, by the way. I know. <laughs> I should stop. No, you don't have to stop. <laughs> That's what she said. Oh, will we be clipping this for probably? <laughs> You're having a cupcake for breakfast this morning. I am the adultiest <laughs> of adults this morning. <laughs> having mm. a cupcake. Mm. A cup of iced coffee with some sweet cream. A cupcake. It is February 15th. The day after Valentine's. Do you normally like icing on cupcakes? Mm-hmm. It's... I like buttercream frosting. Cream cheese frosting is kind of nasty. What dun, is this? Dun, dun, this is buttercream. All the legit bakers use buttercream. The issue is if it stays out too long, it gets a weird consistency. Yeah, because you like butter. to bake. Yes. I love to bake. I haven't really had any of your baking stuff. I, know. I haven't baked in a hot minute. I need to get settled somewhere and just start baking again. Have you ever made an apple pie? Yes. Is it good? Mm. Mine was an error. My sister made one when we were <clears throat> cooking once, and it was so good I almost cried. We haven't been able to replicate it since, but... I like making cupcakes, muffins, cookies. I'm really good at cookies. Arcy things with cupcakes. I've made rainbow cupcakes before. This conversation, you know what it reminds me of? Hmm? How our TikTok algorithms are quite different. You're just sitting here like, I don't know how to contribute to a baking conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's I, what we should do. We could talk about making. the next couple of days. Switch our files where like, I just watch your TikToks and you watch my TikToks and see how much more like each other we are. <laughs> You'll, you'll, uh, your brain will hurt. You watch my TikTok and you think I'm getting a PhD education. Mm -hmm. I don't feel that way. Like, I'm well informed on your TikTok. I rarely laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, dang, that's the truth. <laughs> then, like, 45 minutes later, you're like, I think I could write, like, my doctoral thesis. Oh gosh. I think I rarely laugh on TikTok. Mm hmm. Are you supposed to laugh on TikTok? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is interesting. Oh, man. <laughs> mm. Are you supposed to laugh on TikTok? What a question. I know there's some of them that I laugh at. Like which ones? Like the one that we were watching the other day with, um, we were watching one the other day with millennials being told what to do. 
even though it doesn't make any sense. That one was funny. It's like the guy was telling him not to cross the street while the guy was crossing the street or something like that. Oh, not to eat while swimming. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I get that there's humor in that, but it's also laced with an undercurrent of trauma. I, I am a, like, the field that I'm in does require me to have some kind of knowledge about what trauma is mm-hmm. <laughs> i get that but like my tiktok doesn't teach me how to manage a starbucks like, mm. you know mm. shots fired pow pow Shot- <laughs> <laughs> oh but mad respect because i really do learn a lot on your tiktok it's my birthday in 10 days you excited Ten days of time is a na 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 na. What's today's present gonna mean? I don't know. How mad would you be if for like the next ten days I just gave you a present every day? I feel like you'd be pretty upset. <laughs> I'm like, uh, it's a very kind. This is too much. <laughs> it's a kind gesture. <laughs> I think I would be more like, is this? I don't know. What would I be like? I'd feel loved. Mm-hmm. Then I would feel guilty that I'm not doing it for you. <laughs> but it's not your birthday, bro. <laughs> well, it's not my birthday. So. That icing is really good. What's Do I need that? to go get a, a cupcake and just, like, take the icing off of it? You take the icing and Did I? Did I? True or false? Did I have ice cream for breakfast two days last week? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to say yes because I only saw you eat one ice cream and I know that there are three. <laughs> so to me, I'm like, yeah, where'd the other two go? <laughs> Good times. Mm-hmm. The best of times. What's, what? You want to tell them how you woke me up this morning? We're going to talk about that nice little tweet. Oh, Greg Locke. My intellectual start to the day. <laughs> I didn't even know it was Greg Locke. That's how early it was this morning. Tell the tell the people who Greg Locke is. Who is Greg Locke? Hmm. I'm trying to find kind words. Give me a moment. I never asked you to use kind words. <laughs> Greg Locke is a pastor from Nashville. Greg Locke and I got some beef. He probably doesn't know it, but (laughs) he works with the far-right Republicans and evangelical movements. Otherwise, it's the known to be probably pre-KKK slash (laughs) pre-white nationalists of America. And he's been very anti-vax and very... It's a conspiracy and all this crazy stuff. Is it not? <laughs> oh, man. It's a joke. It's a joke, people. <laughs> <laughs> you know we're done with this. We're at the beginning. It was kind of funny. We might. With COVID. Charlotte might lift the mask mandate next Yo, week. I'm so ready not to look like a 12-year-old with acne. <laughs> Lisa wears a mask even when she's outside. Mm-hmm. It's cold. 
warm air to my face. Why wouldn't I? <laughs> but where was I? We were talking about Greg Locke. Mm. So he was supposed to come speak at my alma mater. Had to shut that crap down because we have one of the top nursing schools in the country. Really? Yep. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. We have one of the top nursing schools in the country. And they were about to invite a man to speak on our campus about how COVID's a hoax. Two of these things cannot exist. It's like that Sesame Street song. One of these things is not like the other. <laughs> but... Apparently, he's gone into the more tent revival stuff. I feel like that's been him the whole time, though. I've never met tent revival Baptist world. I know it exists somewhere, but it seems like... I'm very familiar with... Tent revivals? Very familiar with tent revivals. Oh, okay, because the only time I've even experienced it is in, like, cop shows or, like thrillers where it's like something sketchy's going down at the revival so i think i just loop that in there no i mean the the church that i went to when we first moved here to the states was very tent revival-ish pentecostal charismatic waved the american flag and the israeli flag together we would have conferences where people would come and be rolling quote unquote in the spirit unquote Joints or just joints? What? <laughs> what? What do you mean joints? Like what are they rolling? Like they're like rolling on the ground because like rolling around in the dirt? No, like there's carpet in the tent. Ooh, it's a fancy tent. Okay. And the spirit hits them and they start laughing uncontrollably. You've never heard I of this knew before. The Holy Spirit had a sense of humor. All right, keep going. So, you <laughs> so when Greg Locke says, "I know that there are six witches here, and I know three of them by, by name," the Twitter replies on that are like, "What the what the hell is going on?" Right? And I'm like, "This is nothing new. There's nothing new about this." I mean, I've been in I've been in meetings where the pastor or the prophet or the prophetess says, "I feel a religious spirit in the room," or "I feel the demonic here," and we cast down the demonic in the name of Jesus. Like that's a thing. That's. But have the, have you been in an experience where they say there's a specific number of witches, and I know exactly half of them? Or to some extent like that. I don't recollect a statement being made to that extreme. (laughs) I think for me it was weird. I know there are six of you. It seemed like an SAT question. I know three of you by first and last name. First of all, how do you know there are six? Who's to say there aren't more? Because you'd assume there are some that got past your smart wit. (laughs) But also, he also knows the address of one of them. Be like, say their names, please. So in these circles, 
Have you heard of the prophetic? The prophetic? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> so, you know, prophecy is like, like a gift, mm-hmm. right? Does prophecy work like a witch beacon? <laughs> Am I unaware? For some people it does. So, now I'm, I'm oversimplifying it and okay. there are much better people, qualified people to talk about this. Okay. But my experiences of prophecy and the prophetic are that um, you sometimes get a word from the Lord or a vision from God. And I think they're claiming that they're moving in the prophetic so they know certain things. So Greg Locke knows that there are witches. Just know. So it's not like he's like beaming the room and they're like, bang. No. And it's not that he like just randomly stated there are six witches here and there's none. Well, if we were to flesh that out, I think my understanding, my assumption would be that he's, that the Holy Spirit has told him that. That there are witches. Yes. Okay. Educating you on, like, Pentecostal charismatic things is so entertaining. Because it, it really is a different world. It you. really is. Because, yeah. yeah, I was just raised in the Methodist liturgical realm of things. Where, like, as crazy as we got was all chanting, like, creeds. Yeah. So it's, like, it's really interesting. Because we did, like, um, blessing services or, like, healing services. But those what were happened in a healing very service? intimate, um, like one on one. Well, it was, I heal you, Wesley. No, so it wasn't like that. It would be like really intentional and deep prayer for healing, in some capacity or another. Did people fall out, quote unquote, no. fall out in the Holy Spirit? No. Were people speaking in tongues? Not that I'm aware of. No. Okay. And I knew nobody, like people and nobody could would, speak in tongues, and people had been like given the gift of speaking in tongues, and but, nobody was shaking uncontrollably, right? I mean, unless they were going to have like a heart attack. So, but nah, we had like hooping and hollering and arms lifted and lots of crying, deep prayer, but. Do you know that lots of people that are, I don't even want to use the word deconstructing because it's becoming a word that's so loaded, but I, I don't know what other word to use. Re, rethinking their faith, restructuring, I would say. Reprocessing. What it means to actually be. Renovating. Re- <laughs> <laughs> their HGTV home makeovering their faith. There we go. That's like the first joke you've made in 15 minutes. I'm surprised. Normally it comes much earlier than that. I have a lot of self-control these days. I'm really, I'm really proud of you. Thank you. So, they are relying on Wesley a lot. Mm-hmm. Because of his, I think his social ethic and the way his faith, I think the word for it is orthopractice. Orthopraxy. Yeah, like mm-hmm. what it actually looks like to follow Jesus. Because I think a lot of people in my generation, they're walking away from 
what faith looks like because they're walking away from what faith looks like because they are Christian by name alone. And then when you actually look at their lives and the kinds of lives that they're living, it's like, mm, I'm not, this is not, I don't know that I want to be interested in whatever the heck this is. <laughs> yeah. But Wesley has kind of, I mean, he was, some people would say like, he looks like a lot of what American liberals would look like with the social engagement that he mm-hmm. had. Yeah, he's very like doings and missions oriented. Right. Yeah. Right. right, right I think right. that falls into like. But he had a high, he had a high valley for the Holy Spirit as well, mm-hmm. like in the role of the Holy Spirit in the church. Which is why I feel like he probably wouldn't be Methodist, because I feel like the Methodist. But isn't he the father of Methodism? Yes, he is the father of Methodism. I don't think he would be though, because I think. We leaned so hard in the tradition of doing. So acts of service and doing. There's like... I heard about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but we like didn't use them. No one really like talked about them. It was more of like a private thing. So I feel like on like some theological like follow through that the Methodist Church has taken, I don't think Wesley would be Methodist. Oh, you're saying, so I just want to understand what you're saying. Are you saying that you feel like the way, like the stand that they have taken in regards to like things having to do with like LBGTQIA stuff? Oh, no. I'm just saying like with like the weight. I mean, we're not getting to the nitty gritty of that stuff, but like the weight of. Why not? The spirit (laughs) versus like action. You're, you're, it's not balanced. You're saying that's become way more doing oriented. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But who knows? We can ask him later. I like Find Wesley. one of those witches. Get a Ouija board. <laughs> I Wesley, yeah, he's a name that keeps coming up. He apparently used to pray like two hours a day. Dang. Get it. His brother wrote a lot of hymns we sing today. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I think... I don't know. I like a lot of what he... Where he's at. What he says. We should have a Wesley episode. Where we just talk about his life. That would require me to do some research. I know. You mean preparing. I can't... You mean... <laughs> Imagine that. It's, it's really interesting how we... Even how we view this podcast differently, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm like, let's just, we don't, our equipment apparently still hasn't come in because we still need that cable. And so I was like, if we're going to use our phones, let's just hit record. And Lisa, Enneagram 2 here is like, we are not going to prepare. We are just going to show up and start talking. And I'm like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so... Yeah, we can do a Wesley episode. Yeah. I want to start having people on, too. Like, theologians, poets, Guest friends. speakers. People that want nothing to do with faith. Like, it doesn't even have to be about faith. We'd have Joe Rogan. <laughs> we could have some of my Starbucks peeps on and talk about we, Joe Rogan. I mean, <laughs> does he even know we exist? Like <laughs> He should. We're, we're coming after him. 
in 10 years, we are going to get a $100 million deal, exclusive favorite, deal from Spotify, my favorite, right? My favorite part of that was you stating, we are going to, you couldn't even finish the sentence, you started to chuckle immediately. Joe Rogan doesn't know what's coming his way. Oh, yeah. Oh, Joe Rogan's going to ask us. To be on his podcast? Yeah. No, he's going to ask, he's going to pay us so that he can be on our exclusive podcast network. Oh, okay. I like these goals we're shooting for. Uh, you know when they're like, shoot for the moon because you'll land in the stars? I'm just assuming. Like that goal's the moon? I'm assuming if we do this for five years, if we have ten people that listen to our episodes consistently, I'll be happy. Ten people. Ten people. That, <laughs> those are some low goals. <laughs> You're going to be happy no matter what at this rate. Ten people. <laughs> oh. Too funny. <sighs> that would be interesting. It would be something. Mm-hmm. I feel like it'd be fun to have a segment where we talk about that's kind of weird. Like stories in the Bible. Oh, we should do have that. Have someone who's not a Christian and be like, this story's kind of weird. And you're like, hmm. There's a lot of that. You're like, not wrong. Like a snake talking. That's a weird. A donkey talking. Or was it a horse? Do you believe the Bible's literal? No. Okay. Completely 100% literal? The Bible is a documentary written down. Liberal. That's what, that's what, that's what conservatives would call you. They would Excuse say, me. Are we saying that other ancient languages didn't have poetry? They didn't have narratives but or Lisa, fables? Lisa, 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 Lisa. Those documents didn't come from God. God can't write in... Jesus... Oh, I'm so triggered. I can't. I can't, I can't. Jesus spoke in parables. Right. Okay. Jesus is said... God, right? Yes. So God but, creates narratives, and we have proof he does so. But God is about truth. You can convey truth through narrative. I, I agree. We're on the same page. All I'm trying to provide you is with a perspective of people that don't believe that. They believe that everything in the Bible is scientific fact and truth and should be understood. Are these people that don't believe in scientific facts? Yeah, these are the people that think that evolution <laughs> is not a thing. These are the people that are oh that are interested in evolution versus creationism debates. Shake my head. Shake my head. I just think those people exist. Those are the people I grew up with. Intriguing. And they would say that the word of God is the Bible. And that the Bible should be taken. That... Isn't Jesus the word of God? They would have a hard time with that. They would they would they would say, Well, Jesus is the word of God, mm-hmm. but the the word of God is the Bible. Oh, where where'd we get that from? Because like They would quote I think a verse in Hebrews that talks about that the word of God is sharper than any two edged sword, it cuts through that that verse in we Hebrews. We would think that would be the Holy Spirit, right? rational mm. people would think that. Oh, that was a little condescending. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess... I mean, I think... So here's you, what I think... Here's the here's the weird kind of relationship that I think we have with Scripture in the Protestant West. In the Protestant West, there's this relationship where... I mean, 
I heard one person put it this way. Catholics, what the Pope means to Catholics is what the Bible means to Protestants. Mm-hmm. We, we have engaged in an idolatrous relationship with the Bible. That would make because sense. Because we want to be told what to do and what not to do. And I think that, and this is William P. Young here, but I think any relationship that does not have mystery is not a healthy relationship. Mm. Have you ever thought about that? So any relationship that does not have an element of mystery is not an actual relationship. You were looking at me, but it looks like you were looking past me. So I was like, what's going on? (laughs) So I think what we want from Scripture is we use Scripture as this. This is what the Bible says Mm -hmm. as a way of eliminating mystery from any kind of relationship with Christ. I can see how we got there, though, right? Right. I just think it's not. Hell. Or true. <laughs> yeah. Because I think... I think the journey, whether... Whether people are into Jesus, whether people are into the divine, whatever pe- people are into, like, any kind of... I mean, I think both of us come from a follower of Jesus kind of mindset. Mm-hmm. But, like... I think we want to control outcomes. And the Bible becomes a way where we can engage in control. So this is what scripture says. This is what must be true. And then people's faith completely shatters because they're like, this is what the Bible said. It's like, actually, that's not what the Bible said. Mm. You said that that's what the Bible said. But the Bible is not a rule book for you to live your life. Mm. I could really go, I could go a lot of, I could go a lot of ways here. Mm-hmm. I mean, one person has put it this way. Like, to say that scripture is God is actually blasphemous. Because, like, there are words. These are words. So, like, to say that they are equivalent to the divine or that they are equivalent to God is to actually reduce God to, like, words. And you Mm. can't reduce God to just, like, words. There's mystery involved with that. There's, like, holiness, right? There's all these, Mm -hmm. like, all of this. And I'm trying not to use a bunch of Christianese words. But what are your thoughts on that? What what has your relationship with Scripture been? Uh, Yeah, I think it's... Early on was definitely like, this is a rule book. I think when I was, I was younger, so like middle school and high school, my favorite part of the Bible has always been the Old Testament. Oh. Hot take. You have always been a weirdo. I know. you? But I think, I think it is because of like the stories and like, the kind of wonder like God put himself in a bush and hid himself in a cave so that Moses could come before him and all that was literal 
That like, was literal. But no, I think... <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I'm I think, just, like, the, the story of it is just kind of, like, this mysterious, like, what? And, like, the fact that the area became holy. I think, to me, is, like, a beautiful image of, like, walking into, like, the presence of God, right? And you feel that kind of, like, weird holiness. Not weird, but you know what I'm saying. So I think I've always just been kind of more enchanted, I think, by the Old Testament. Because it deals with more of the mystery of God. And it deals with more of, like, God working through wonders. Or God working through people in, like, really strange ways. (laughs) Because you've got Noah. It had never rained before. And God convinced a man to build a boat. It had, like, what was he building? Like, you know, the entire time he's like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then you've got, like, the story of Esther. Where it's like, oh, I mean, like, she was basically enslaved to be, like, a prostitute for the rest of her life. And, like, the story of how, like, God kind of works through that, and then you've got talking donkeys. Yeah, that's definitely weird. Just like these the crazy stories that like teach a narrative, where they teach a value of like who God is. I think for me, the New Testament, I was like, oh, I know, like, we know who Jesus is, and these are steps A, B, C, and D. But I think like when you're young, you're more prone to like the mystery and wonder of it all. But then we tell kids the New Testament's way more important. Because <laughs> that's where Jesus was. Because he was the word of God. Apparently he's not. It's the Bible. <laughs> yeah. But. I'm trying to think for me what it was. Like. If I was more interested in the older the New Testament. Well which do you know more? I stay away from the Old Testament more. <gasps> we should I have, have a four- swapsies. <laughs> I think there's just lots of things in the Old Testament that are weird. There's just some some weird stuff that's happening. And a lot of I don't know if, if this is language that you grew up with, but the language that I grew up with was there's a new covenant. So we're new covenant people. And new covenant people, even though they wouldn't say this full out, it's essentially like New Testament people. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of the stuff about miracles and signs and wonders, which I know is not stuff that like, you grew up with, but like, it was all about chasing the next miracle. Like, what's the next miracle? God wants to heal. God wants to save. There was, mm. there was, and at some point we need to do some episodes on, like, attachment science and how attachment science interlays with faith in really unhealthy ways. But, like, there was this desperation to get God down immediately. Like, go, 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 God, God, God. And, but I think the theological backing and grounding for that is, on the fact that, well, true, <laughs> Lisa's is like shaking her head over here, <laughs> but um, it's the fact 
that when Jesus came, he came under a new covenant to do new things. And so the focus uh, hermeneutically is on, sorry, I'm using, I'm using words. Herman! I, I need to like just drop it down. The focus uh, with, with where that's found in the Bible is the fact that Jesus did that. So there was a high emphasis on like the Gospels mm. and that kind of stuff. And it wasn't that they were ignoring the Old Testament, but they, they classify, I mean, I think their filter was that it's the same God as the Old Testament, but it's under a new covenant. So we need to focus on like the Gospels and, and that kind of stuff. So. But then you don't. Mm. It's interesting because I see that. I don't agree with it, by the way. I'm just yeah. I'm just giving the groundwork for what they're. I what think they it were thinking. makes sense with like why so many people are leaving the church or deconstructing because it's like our so many, I've heard this so many times. Like we would do like Bible trivia and like even in my theology classes when it came to us studying the Old Testament, no one knew what was going on. And I was like, did 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 you know that? pay attention in Sunday school, but they never learned the Old Testament even in Sunday school or like read it to the extent besides knowing Abraham, Noah, Moses. But I, I also wonder if it has something to do with the fact that there's some weird stuff happening in the New Testament, but if we're thinking from a rational post-enlightenment point of view, the New Testament makes a little more sense than the Old Testament. It's eyewitness accounts, right? Mm. And then it's letters to churches. Like, it it blends better with, like, okay, it's this is what it is. a scientific method. Yeah, and then, you, yeah. and then you focus on, like, the Old Testament, and it's like, oh, God was having panic attacks because they didn't listen to what he said, and then he decided to destroy Noah and everybody. And it's like, how do you, you know, like, how do you reconcile that? And so, God did not have panic attacks. That, that was my take on the story. So, Well, I think it, I it th- leads to the problem we have right now, right? Where people have believed God to be a certain way or believed their faith to be a certain way. And it hasn't fulfilled anything because it's something they understand. Yeah. And I think a I agree with huge that. key component of faith is there's something in it we just don't understand. What? what? I know. So mystery. Yeah. So not like, controlling outcomes. It's the mystery of like not knowing why God chose to act the way he did or not understanding what he did. Like, I feel like the Old Testament is the building blocks for, like, starting to, like, learn who God is. Because you see his character throughout the whole Old Testament. And that character is then executed into the New Testament. Yeah, and, and I don't even, I mean, we're here, so I might as well get deep into it. Hey, yo. Uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you but, doing okay over there? You turn good. around? What's going on? <laughs> but I think it's the idea of, like, original sin is a really big thing. And when I say it's a really big thing, the way it's taught, 
damages people. And so when you're told that who you are at your core is inherently bad, evil, destructive, and you need a savior that is coming hey, to... Hey, old Protestants. That you need a savior that is coming to bring a new heart to you and a new soul and a new creation. And then you start reading stories in the Old Testament about... I'm not saying this is what's actually happening, but it seems as though God mm. is in a short fuse whenever someone screws up. What does that do to the psyche of a person that's being told that they are bad at their core bad theology oh my god bad theology i think this is also interesting because you didn't grow up with that i didn't like i went into college knowing the gospels and then a little bit but not much of the new testament so most of how i viewed god was God's incredible love for us. So that's in, interesting. In the Old Testament, there's a lot of crazy crap going on. There's a lot of violent stuff going on. The Jesuit Saint Francis in me is like, oh, <laughs> I have moral conflictions with this. But I think it's it's time and time again. It's watching God say, "I love you." Over and over and over and over. That's interesting. So I, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. But I think what was I think that's a- handed down to me, mm-hmm. partly from my family, but also partly from Christian culture, was I love you if you do these things mm. right. Or I love you if you pray and if you read your Bible and if you tell others about Jesus. It's, it is a... And and I and, love you, and, somebody, and a pastor would never say up. This is what I do, like with my people when I, when I, try to get a family history. Like I'm like there are overt, over the top messages that you received in your family of upbringing, and then there are hidden messages. This is like a hidden Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, spy Ooh. stuff. Hidden message. Oh, <laughs> Whenever I say something that is like not even that sneaky, Lisa is like. Ooh, spy stuff. Sneaky. <laughs> and I'm like, I, what? I don't even understand what's going on. One of going to be right. But I think one of the, not overt messages, like it wouldn't be set from the pulpit, but one of the hidden, is it covert? Is that the word? Or like? Covert. Yes. Right? Because overt is yeah. in your face. Covert's like it's undercover. Like, yeah, God loves you. But you got to do stuff or you're going you're gonna to be at the bottom of the list. It's kind of like Santa Claus theology. Where it's like, it, you know, Santa God is Claus, my personal genie who Santa, will bless me when I do the right Right. Things. So Santa Claus will bring you gifts. But if you're really good, he'll give you the best gifts. And if you're not. Very, what? Yeah. <laughs> what? Wait, we got to break down the Santa stuff. You're telling well, that me song, that, like, <laughs> that if you acted even better, you got better gifts. I'm not saying that that's oh, what okay. happened with me, but I, I feel like that's a what? thing. It's like, it's one of the hidden messages. So if you're okay, you get okay gifts. Yeah. What? (laughs) Who here is learning that? I just learned it was like either or. You're either bad or you're good. 
And you get gifts or I think you in don't some get families gifts. there's like a hierarchy of morality where That like, is horrendous. <laughs> it's horrendous, but it's true. How do you ever meet that expectation? You don't. Oh god. That's why is... so many people I mean it it's, makes me say it's kinda like that video that I shared with you, like that pastor from here in Charlotte where he he was just like faith wasn't working anymore. Like it mm. wasn't working. I was having panic attacks every morning, so I had to just ditch the project. That's not somebody leaving the faith out of convenience. Someone leaving out of survival. Because Mm -hmm. the theology and the spirituality that you've handed people doesn't actually work. Do we need to spice it up with humor? We've talked about a lot of serious things here. But I think like that's, that's just a piece of it. It's just... I think we need to teach the Old Testament better. I think I you know what I think it is. I think you're leaning into it correctly. So the Western world's very more scientific. So they That's know true. how to translate the New Testament. That's true. I feel like there's that that point in high school and like even if you like do like AP prep in middle school when you start honors I Whereas did not people do AP get, prep in middle school. I wasn't you didn't that do smart. honors in middle school? I wasn't that smart. It's okay. I didn't get like a 39,000 on my SATs like I you didn't did. get a 39,000. <laughs> You're hilarious. I didn't even take the SAT. I didn't get a 45 on the ACTs. I got a 72, thank you. You didn't get it. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh. I'm it. just being funny. <laughs> That's how smart I am. But... Sounds <laughs> good. But I feel like there's a point where we you start to learn about narratives, and especially like ancient cultures' narratives. So we're going back to like Celtic traditions and yeah. ancient Arabic and even African traditions. And you're like, what do I do with this story? People are just really uncomfortable piecing together and trying to process narrative. Because there's allegory, there's symbolism... You're like, is this actually happening? Is it not happening? It's hard to, like, understand what's going on. And I feel like you can tell that from the way at least Western culture takes the Bible. Because we'll take the stories that we can kind of swallow in the Old Testament and then all of the New Testament. And I feel like that's why you don't hear sermons very often from the Old Testament. Because people are like, I could barely make it in AP English or even regular English. How am I supposed to get through this? But in like the Eastern world, I feel like the Old Testament is an equally important part. Well, and yeah, that's true. And I would even say the sermons about the Old Testament have to do with how we get God to do what we want him to do. Mm. Right, if you pray more, if you draw close to God. Like I've heard sermons about like Moses and going up the mountain and it's like he drew closer and God was calling him and he didn't engage in fear and he kept going and he was Moses was pissed off was, going up those was, mountains. And he, was, and he was insecure, but he dealt with his insecurity. <laughs> and it's this like thing of like keep drawing closer to God. And it's I'm sorry, it's just surface crap that people mm. aren't interested in. I, 
We skipped I, the part where it got opened a hole in the middle of the camp and swallowed some people. <laughs> right. <laughs> but also, like, I feel like we also take the human out of Moses. Well, well, like, we'll human take, was... Well, we like, take the human out of everything, right? Like, Moses was not happy going up the mountain that many times. He was so mad coming down one time, he threw the tablets down. And it's about... Like, like these people. <laughs> they're gonna drive me nuts. And then he had to walk right back up the mountain. Are you getting triggered by this? he did it on purpose. Like, you think he was like, I can't deal with these fools. I'm gonna break it and go right back up. Ask for a new copy. I don't know. I haven't really thought about what was going on in Moses' mind. See, like, that's the thing I think about, though, right? Because... I just think... Oh, go ahead. I cut you off. Well, I don't know. We think of, like, these characters as, like, such big, lofty heroes. And you're like, but they were people, right? They were people that got frustrated and stressed and sad and grieved and... That's another great point. Angry I think and we, told jokes. We want to we want to make these characters like mini gods. Mm. Once again, it's more hidden. Nobody would come out and say it, but it's more like we need to become like Jesus, holy, righteous, never angry, which is not actually true. Jesus was angry plenty. But like <laughs> we're trying to ascend our way up the divine ladder to just be this like oh thing. And I actually think the story of these Bible characters, the story of Jesus, the story of the Bible, is not us becoming more divine. It's us becoming more human. Mm. And as we become more human, we actually start touching what the divine looks like. Ooh. Does that make sense? We're starting to talk about, like, God within the divine, within the creation. We're unpacking some theological tidbits here what is that is that like uh it was me kind of eating with a fork but it kind of looked like me like cranking one yes. of those monkeys that pops up oh no i was thinking about like the pencil like you... oh the pencil sharpener yeah. oh man i miss those things i don't you don't <laughs> <laughs> you never like wanted to just like get up and stretch in the classroom and you're like oops i broke my pencil and go just... over there and <laughs> Sorry, I did the ADHD thing where I was moving on before you were ready. Oh, it's okay. We were literally just talking about a pencil Pencil sharpener. sharpener. (laughs) But I think the story of... I think we really get a lot of this wrong when we try to become divine. Mm. I actually think the story of Jesus is about becoming more human. But because we've we're in subcultures of protestantism Mm -hmm. we hear human as flesh and we hear paul talking about we hear paul talking about like flesh as a bad thing so when we that's why like it's a very greek way of thinking yeah we just think like oh that's bad human that's bad to put away your human your fleshly desires and it's all about like getting to the top of divineness mm. and that's why in my experience and this is backed by research with the people that i work with the people that are the least aware of their bodies are white evangelical christians they have a harder time with it than anybody else because they've been told and purity culture is part of this right it's all of it they've been told that their bodies are not good things mm-hmm. 
So when you're telling somebody what's your body saying, it's like, what's my body saying? What is this? Like, what? The- <laughs> I tell my body what to say. Yeah, and they have no yeah. idea how to do it. Mm-hmm. Which is, there was another, I mean, there was another thing that came out with, like, evangelicals who grew up in purity culture having, like, they're reporting their sex lives to be, and I don't know, like, the what the test was or what what the scientific study was so i'm paraphrasing look up the article for yourselves but evangelical christians having the hardest time in their sex lives after they get married especially if they wait before marriage is that me saying that like waiting is a bad thing no i'm not i'm not saying that that's a bad thing i'm just saying there's something to be said when our subgroup of people have the worst sex lives of anybody. There's something to be said for us being the least aware of our bodies. No, I'm not saying that's scientific. That's just my experience of working with people. Mm-hmm. We are just not very aware of what our bodies are saying. And we need to get better at it. What an, what an episode. What an episode. Oh, no. I know it's not very humble to the like sex lives do the of Michael Old jo- Testament readers. That's what we should call this episode. <laughs> you do you. You do you, boo. I love making the jokes that just get an immediate face palm. Like when we ever start like live streaming and doing video, like people will actually see like just me going like, "What? What is going on?" <laughs> Rubbing your eyes like, I don't understand. <sighs> Good chat. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll record another one right after this. Back to back. Let's go. All right. Good times.